0: Welcome to the show. This is Martin Willis, and I'm joined with a whole bunch of people here. We're live from the Phoenix area. Um, I was at boot camp and observed what was going on there. It's fascinating. We're going to be talking about that and a whole bunch of other things here. I have a whole bunch of people with me here today. We're going to be, um, each one is going to do a little quick blurb about themselves. If you go to my website, podcastufo.com, you'll see the blog this week is A Country Singer, UFO Occupants, and Men in Black. And that's about Johnny Sands, I think it is. Johnny Sands, a country western singer, had a sighting back in 1976. Very interesting with these strange-looking, angry, mean-looking beings. And uh, Men in Black, it's a great story by Charles Lear. Check that out. So here in Phoenix, it's uh, everywhere in the country change time we have missing time here right
1: yeah. so we have
0: our missing time It never changes and never changes except the Navajo Nation right yeah. so anyway uh so it's been great out here I've been out here um almost a week really enjoying the nice warmth and it's a lot of fun and I have a bunch of great people uh with me today and we're going to be talking about like I said boot camp and so much more thank you all who support the show uh, we wouldn't be here without your support, so I appreciate that. And let's start out by introducing Tia. Go ahead. Hi. Tara. Sorry. So terrible. Hi, I'm
1: Tara. <laughs> Good way to start. List. And I'm a field investigator with Phoenix MoveOn, and I'm located here in the uh-huh. And I'm Stacy
2: Wright. I'm the state director for MoveOn here in Arizona. I'm also the director for Phoenix MoveOn. Hi, I'm Karen Brard, and
3: I run the International UFO Congress, which is an annual conference. Yeah. Don't have a date yet. We also have a website, www.ufocongress.com, and a YouTube channel where you can watch all the old past videos, so check that
4: out. Hi, everyone. My name is Ann Robb. I'm also a field investigator with Phoenix Mufon and live in Mesa, Arizona.
5: Oh, and my name is Mark D'Antonio, and I'm uh, the Chief Photo and Video Analyst for MUFON, and uh, we run uh, remote observatories uh, on two sides of the country, and we, we bring the night sky to people all over the world. I'm Earl D'Or. I'm a
6: field investigator for Phoenix MUFON, also. Hi,
7: I'm Jennifer, I live in Tucson. I attended the event this past weekend, so I'm a future uh, MUFON field
8: investigator. Hi, I'm Matthew Roberts, um, former guest, uh, previous guest on the show, and U.S. Uh, Navy
0: may gimbal All right. So first of all, before we, I want the focus to be on Stacy for a minute, because I want to talk about, um, want to talk about how you revive, you were kind of instrumental in reviving Phoenix MUFON, which was dormant. For many years mm-hmm. and so let's let's hear how that how that all came about
2: okay well i just got this insane interest in ufos uh, after being just a fan of astronomy all my life all of a sudden one day the ufo thing happened and i thought you know we're gonna look into this and maybe there's some great wacky ufo meeting here in phoenix in this big world-class city there's got to be something that i found out by looking up this crazy group called MUFON, that there had been nothing going on here for about eight years, which was also strange because it was just after the Phoenix Lights incident in 1997. So for eight years, there was nothing. Um, I wrote to the executive director of MUFON and asked, why don't we have anything going on here? And he said, well, let's start something. So in two weeks, there was a meeting and I raised my hand to volunteer to uh, start up a new chapter for Phoenix. So that's how it all got started in 2007, and it was just, uh, I don't think it was really anything that I did. It was just prime time for this area. People were ready for something like this. They just flocked to it, and it has just been a real success ever since then, and yeah, a lot of fun in the world, in the country. Yeah, we have one of the, the best chapters around, I will say that. would um, Our very first speaker when we started this up was actually Stanton Friedman, the godfather of ufology. So um, he came in and and, uh, was our guest speaker for that very first meeting. And he did this free of charge because he's a great guy. He just wanted to see it start up again. And it did with a vengeance. So we're really happy to still be doing it.
0: Now, I'm I'm surprised that that lagged 1997, March 13th the Phoenix Lights event happened, and it just seems, it's unbelievable that something like MUFON in this area would stagnate after all those thousands of witnesses.
2: It is uncanny that that would happen. I think there was some investigations going on after the event, but there was a lot of infighting also going on, and a bunch of stuff happened. I wasn't part of it then, so I don't know exactly, but... It sounded like it was a real mess, and I believe that one of the MUFON directors may have passed away during that time as well. So it just all felt hard.
0: Right. Is there anyone in this room that was here when the Phoenix Lights happened, and and you knew about it happening? And
5: I had only heard about it, you know, but I I seized on it immediately. You did to do an analysis, yeah, yeah. Uh, but what was released was not what people saw. So that right there said, okay, this is not what you see in the sky. You see those, 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 the those famous, photographs. The famous video yeah. those over the astrayas. Yeah. That was probably the flare event that occurred after the actual event. And the actual event was something very different. I, I ran into a guy in New Zealand on a cruise, told him I'm from
6: Queen Creek. He said, "I oh, that was there when it was one stoplight. So I asked him. One stoplight. So you're a farmer or you're military. He goes military. I said where were you stationed? He said uh, Luke Air Force Base. And I said uh, back then. So you saw Phoenix lights. He goes, oh, you just gave me goosebumps. He goes, I saw that, and it was not ours. And uh, I got his number, but I still got to hook up and chat with him a little more so we can yeah. con him into coming down and talk more about it. But you run into first-hand people all the time
0: right. when you're
6: talking about different things, and that was. My deal
2: with the Phoenix Lights. Like. And I lived here at the time, but I never saw it. I had someone from out of state call me the next day and said, hey, you guys had a UFO last night? And I'm like, we did? <laughs> so I didn't see it, but uh, my kids did. They were out in the desert with their dad, and they saw it. And, uh, was- now,
0: there are some people that, like Peter Davenport, was flooded with calls that night. And he was saying that there could be, this thing could have been estimated at miles wide. And I don't know, do you still hear that feedback? I mean, from, from people that were, that okay. talk
2: about it? Yeah, oh yeah, we heard <clears throat> all sizes. Yeah, yeah there were eight, several of them. football fields wide, or every mm-hmm. V52 in our force could fit on the wingspan of this craft. Yeah, and was there
5: switch. more than one craft
3: as well? Yeah, there, like seven, there
2: were eight crab different, crab different things.
5: And the, pro- the problem is that whenever someone tries to estimate the size, here I go, Mr. Science, okay? Whenever someone tries to estimate size of something in the sky, they're going to be remarkably wrong. Okay. And the Stanford university, the eye Institute did studies to show that exact thing that they don't know if it's a large thing far away or a small thing up close. And they don't have the depth perception because we didn't evolve eyes to be able to detect things like that in the sky. We detect predators within 250 feet of us. That's what our binocular vision is good at. It's not good at estimating sizes, especially where there's no reference points in the sky. And that's exactly what the Phoenix lights represented no reference points
3: and one thing about how people say oh it's just flares Mm -hmm. yes the picture they put out was flares nobody really Mm -hmm. got a good picture of what was actually happening for some reason but the fact that peter danford got tons of calls which we have flares all the time we don't he doesn't get tons Mm -hmm. of flares every time i mean tons of calls every time there's a flare because that would be every weekend you know that's right there it was different it was different so people who say oh it was just flares no people know what flares are now they don't get calls for UFOs every time there's a flare account, but they did, you know, right. on that date. They had, I mean, it was just weird and unusual and
0: silent. And it, silent wasn't, it and wasn't just Phoenix. It was
2: over Phoenix. people's heads, yeah.
3: Yeah,
0: it wasn't just Phoenix. That I mean, this thing right. traveled. Exactly. Didn't it go right into
2: New other states, New Mexico? Yeah, it went
0: into Mexico. <clears throat> Mexico.
2: Over the border into Mexico.
0: Yeah. And what about uh, previous or since? Have there been other Sightings of similar There's crap.
2: Been four or five different times that it's been on the news here in the Phoenix area. Uh, I was a witness to one of them, and this was back in 2009. And we just seemed to have this, you know, thing about four or five lights at an angle, equidistant, that go out one at a time. And what I saw was not pointing toward Barry Goldwater Range. It was somewhere else. So, um they are all over the valley. And we do see them. They're on the news. We have footage of them.
5: And sometimes they get, they get captured in the most uh, unexpected places. For instance, our observatory in the desert. I have an all-sky camera on it, all right? Well, I started up the all-sky camera before the observatory was even finished. And I was capturing nightly what was going on. And I would do videos all night long. You know, every 20 seconds, images captured. So 20 seconds long, all night long. So there's no gaps And you see lots of trails of things like meteorites, satellites, planes. Okay. Well, I caught something which was very strange, even for me. All right. It was a semicircular pattern on a frame. And I thought, wow, well, if that's a jet from Luke, you're seeing the exhaust of the jet. All right. So in the next frame or the previous frame, I would have expected not to see it because the jet would have been facing the other way. So here you see the exhaust. When it comes around, you don't see it. But on the previous frame, it was there too. So it was all the way around, a complete circle that did not make any sense. It couldn't have been a military jet doing that. So there's anomalies beyond the triangles and the strings of lights. I mean, strings of lights now, what do people think? Starlink, Yeah. right? Starlink. We saw one the
0: other night. Right, there's
5: Starlink trains, okay? We capture them all the time in the telescope and it's like, oh, they ruined this exposure. Okay, but the fact is, that is a linear line of satellites that you're going to see in the sky. Okay. You're not going to see a triangle. All right. A triangle is one thing. All right. A singular light is another, but the circular thing I couldn't explain. I have no idea what that was. Yeah.
0: Well, I want to talk just a little bit. Uh, of course, one of the reasons the reason I'm here is the boot camp uh, that happened for field investigators. And Marianne, do you want to just touch bases on that? That was a, uh, that was very interesting i got to sit through uh, i only missed one thing but uh it was really very interesting
4: well i'm glad you were there it yeah. was an honor to have you part mm-hmm. of this and well, to see you. what we do um <clears throat> boot camp stacy wright did an outstanding job putting this whole thing together nice to um the boot camp started basically friday night uh we did a meet and greet with all of the participants that came in from all over the country i know florida Pennsylvania, New York, Michigan, um, Michigan Virginia, Virginia, Virginia. Virginia um, Wisconsin, Texas. Oh my gosh. Um, I know a couple of years ago we actually had people from Canada that came in. but we start it starts Friday at the the meet and greet and then eight o'clock Saturday morning is the first class and I got to teach the first class, which was advanced interviewing techniques. Um, that's really a big one for these new field investigators.
0: With your background as a police officer.
4: Right, right. Yeah. Um, just teach them what good questions, or not questions, but what how to ask a good question, and also to see about deception. Can you sit there, look at someone, ask them a question, and see are they going to be uh, answering that question honestly, or they may be giving you a little deception on and that. Just, just, just mm-hmm. hear
0: I want to hear just what uh, what are the keys to the red flags?
4: Red flags. Yeah. somebody, hey, um, were you standing on your front porch last night when you saw this object? Um, um, yeah, I think I was. Okay, so a couple of uh, little deceptions there. One, if you're standing on your front porch last night, which was maybe less than 12 hours ago, mm-hmm. it should be a quick yes or no. Yeah. You don't need to hem-haw around, uh, yeah. yeah you're thinking you're probably thinking yourself of um how did i put it in the report Should, am i telling the truth plus i kind of close my arms which i'm closing myself off to you yeah i don't really want to tell you the truth um those types of deception um covering your mouth uh when you're answering a question or uh basically you're standing there like you're doing your you're you're open but if I ask you a question, all of a sudden you close you you, you close yourself off. You close your legs. You cross your legs. You um, cross your arms. Yeah. That's telling me you're closing yourself <laughs> off.
2: Yeah. Oh yes. Go to the bathroom.
4: <laughs> uh, well, that's true too. There's a good possibility. Yeah. Wow, you're good at
2: that.
4: <laughs> yeah. But that's but that's kind of what as um, as a field investigator, if you're doing an in-person interview, that's what we're looking for. Just your body language changing when we ask you a simple question.
0: Yeah. I started taking the body language courses It's very interesting. Oh, it, very, it really, is.
4: It is really amazing. Yeah. So after um, I finished talking, um, um, I kind of had to leave for a few minutes. But we do have a psychiatrist that comes in and talks about the mental health of these um, witnesses, you know, what to look for on mental health. And also just because they might have some issues with uh, their mental health uh, that. You, you don't take that for granted. You don't say, oh, well, he has mental health problems, and you dismiss him. You can never dismiss anyone whatsoever. That was uh, Dr. Anthony Yes, uh, that, that spoke about that. Um, we had Mark D'Antonio here, our wonderful astronomer, talking about different things uh, in astronomy, um, different anomalies that you might see up in the sky. Uh, let's see. We've had Katie Grabowski talk about... Um, um, doing a CMS, doing a, a, a CMS is a, a case management system, is a report that people fill out and send in to move on. So she talks about that, about filling out reports and, and what, is, what is to be, you know, what to look at in the report. Um, we've also had, let's see, um, we also had uh, our chief investigator, Dennis Fearmuth, uh, do photo analysis, which is really a big one. Mark is really good at the photo analysis, being the chief investigator uh, for all of Phoenix Mufon. And what you might see this big orb, oh my gosh, there's an orb in in my picture, so it must be a UFO. And of course, Mark or Dennis or somebody can explain it that, no, it's a lens flare or it's the sun or something. Um, We've done that. We also have a couple of uh, field investigators that talk about interesting cases that they've done from the start to the end, which was really cool. And the Navajo Rangers. And the Navajo Rangers. Oh, my goodness gracious. Uh, Stan Milford Jr., John Dover. What they did was uh, talk about the evidence collection.
0: Yeah.
4: Yeah. And um,
0: all great stuff. ERT.
4: Yeah. And also, of course, the um, um, ERT is not emergency, experiencer resource. Team right. that um, yeah. and Gwen Farrell did that, mm-hmm. and they talked about what the ERTs do, which is great. So, oh,
0: yeah, and then, yeah, and then we did a
5: Star Watch, which was a lot yep. of fun. Yeah, but, we, that was pretty good. You know, she you, you actually remembered quite a lot of that, didn't she? Yeah, I did. I was very impressed with yeah. that. Yeah. I'm the,
4: the best part, I guess, of the whole thing was when we went out Sunday afternoon and we did the training, we had a mock crash. And all of the field investigators that went through the class all day Saturday and all day Sunday went out to um, what we call Needle Vista (laughs) Vista, and they found a crash site and they did some training. They, They interviewed the witness. They collected evidence. They did everything out there at the site that they learned in the classroom. And that was really cool to see them in action. That was really
0: wow. neat. Oh, by the way, we're going to be taking calls at the last half of the hour. So anyone can call in and ask any of these people some questions. Stacy, question. Okay, go ahead. For people out there,
3: if you want to go to boot camp, you have to be
0: a. That's what I was going to ask.
3: Yeah, <gasps> go, ahead.
0: go ahead. <clears throat>
2: you have to already be a field investigator credentialed by the no you do not this is for prospective field investigators people just who are just curious about what we do or for uh you know field investigators that just want to come in and hone some of their uh, skill set
0: um someone want to know your back give your background mary you <laughs> well um i was a police officer
4: uh state of arizona for 34 years uh, as of today, I have been retired for four months. Yay.
0: Uh, <laughs> That's why she smiled. And oh yes,
4: yes. been busier ever since I've retired. I <laughs> um, again, I'm a field That's investigator for Phoenix MUFON. I've been doing that for about six years now. Um, little plug for my show. I also do a radio show here on KGRA-DB on Wednesday night at six o'clock uh, called I, Detective, which is uh, four police officers just <clears throat> talking about police work. In that's with Chris things. DiPerno. Yep, that's with Chris DiPerno. and it is it is a great um, uh, it's a great show. Um, but that's what I do. Um, uh, what else do I do? Uh, I teach. Again, uh, one of the things I do teach is the advanced interviewing techniques uh, at the MUFON Symposium and also at the boot camp.
0: Now, has anyone ever given you grief in the department about your interest in UFOs? That's a very good question.
4: No. <laughs> Like um, it. <laughs> it is absolutely amazing. My team that I, um, I was on in, in Gilbert, I worked for Gilbert PD, the team, when they found out what I did, I had more people tell me, uh, stories of sightings that they might have had and experiences they've had. I've had Mark ride with me in a p- patrol car. I've had Stacy ride so with good. me. Uh, Peter Robbins rode with me. Um, it was so fantastic, but I actually had a Lieutenant not too long ago. I figured he was going to, kind of a snicker when I told him what I did. And he sat down and told me, it's great, that's what you do, because I have a story that I've been keeping inside for many years. He wore Mm -hmm. graveyard shift. As he's coming into the station, he sees a fireball. Fireball, huge. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, he said it was just amazingly huge. He says it went from the east all the way to the west, all the way through the sky. And he said he'd never told anybody – Anywhere, whether it was his family or the PD or anything, because he didn't want to get laughed at or, you know, what are they going to think of him? So he finally was able to share that story with me and kind of just get it off his chest. But it was
0: a fireball. I mean, they're, they're seen. They,
4: they are, but you off- it's
8: you
4: know? I don't know. It's, it's unexplainable. Uh, I don't I can't describe yeah. what a fireball. I know that that is one of um, I think it's Cheryl Costa that does. Um, reports, yeah. yeah, and st- uh, status, how do you say that? Yes. Statistics, thank you, of fireballs versus, say, a cigar looking craft mm-hmm. or a cylinder or cylinder uh, disc, whatever. And fireballs is one of the things. So, what actually it is, I couldn't tell you.
0: So, Mark, because you're an astronomer, I want to tell you, I don't know if I've ever told you about my fireball that I saw in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Well, let's hear it yeah so now um i know that memory can be distorted and i've told this on this on this show before my fireball experience to me it was more dramatic than my ufo experience okay um i was in a hot tub, of course i was in a hot tub when i saw you. my it's UFO, already too. too much information <laughs> here uh i was out on the, my back deck and mm-hmm. i lived about three miles from the ocean okay and all mm-hmm. of a sudden just this thing came uh, by the roof and it looked, it looked really big, and it looked, it looked perfectly round, and it had orange cracks in it, and it was rotating, and sparks were coming off of it. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear any sound. And the thing was, and my ex-wife was with me in the hot tub, and I yelled to her three times, "Look, look, look!" And she finally turned and saw it, and I thought for sure it was going into the Atlantic Ocean, and uh, because it seemed really low, and it was big like i said i mean but it wasn't like the flame behind it or anything it was just sparks coming off of it Mm -hmm. and then so i told a friend about it and he said cnn said that a large something landed in china Mm -hmm. and i don't know if it was related or not it could could have been (laughs) but is that is that a possibility that i'm remembering that sort of correctly
5: yeah i mean uh... See, fireballs are obviously chunks of space rock that are re-entering Earth's atmosphere. But when they first start to enter the Earth's atmosphere, they're not okay oh, <laughs> now. Karen says allegedly. Well, you know what? Okay, I mean, we it's are investigating fireball. UFOs. Okay, but in general, okay, when fireballs enter the Earth's atmosphere, they encounter a little bit of the air and they start to burn, and that's where you start to see them, right? So you won't hear a sound uh, until minutes later when the sound finally gets to you from 90 miles away or so. And um, I've seen fireballs like that. And when they go long distance to the point where you can say, look, 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 that means that they're moving uh, across the atmosphere and probably going to skip off the atmosphere. It seemed very big. Yeah, and that's probably because it was large. Mm -hmm. And as it came into the atmosphere, it started to burn. And when they burn, they're going to make a large glow around them so you can't tell the actual size because they have a bigger glow around the, the burning core, the, the core that's actually, it's called ablation. That, that's ablating away. That's, 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 uh, you know, vaporizing and falling away. That's a big bright coma basically around it. And that stuff can go on. That can go all the way across horizon to horizon. What about the sparks? Oh, uh, the sparks could be pieces of the thing that are just drifting back as it, mm-hmm. as it's vaporizing, and falling apart. And, um, Luckily, it didn't decide to hit the what we call the wall of the atmosphere um, over your house because it like would have blown che- out. Chelyabinsk, yeah, Chelyabinsk in Russia—that was yeah. the one that, that a lot of people were injured. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, thank, thank heavens for the for all the security cameras that the Russians have on their businesses yeah. because you see dash cams, security cams, door cams, you know, window cams. You <laughs> see all these cameras, and you see all the windows blow out. You see a security door that's steel. Peen inward and just bend and just go in, okay. And people fly to the ground inside, so that's kind of a really um important thing here. You didn't get the shockwave because no, you, it, I didn't, didn't even never even heard the sound, yeah. Well, you may have, it might have come later because I saw the same thing. I, it, they're called earth grazers when they actually cross the earth's atmosphere and just leave the atmosphere. Uh, and I saw an earth grazer up in Maine, mm. actually, uh, just outside of Farmington, Maine, mm-hmm. believe it or not. And you're from Maine. Farmington. Oh, Farmington. Farmington. Yeah, you can't get there from here. No, that's right. Okay. But Farmington, up in Farmington, Farmington, Maine, uh, I saw this earth grazer, and I had time to say to, to Scott, okay, I said, Scott, look, there's a there's a there's a meteor coming in, and it was just crossing the earth, crossing the horizon like this, and it was leaving a slight smoke trail behind it, okay, uh, so it was further down the atmosphere and had been burning for a bit. And so it crossed all the way across the atmosphere, and he had time to take the binoculars from me and look at it, okay, as it passed, and hand them back to me, and I get to see the tail end. I, I, wow. gave, I want him to see it. So, wow. but you could see cracks in it, and we saw wow. one that actually was breaking apart. And I watched one actually come across the sky in another incident, and it broke into three distinct segments. And minutes later, you heard, Boop, boom, boom, oh wow, as it broke apart. How about that? Because the sound takes time to get to you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, that's all realistic stuff, oh, uh, it was allegedly. Fantastic. <laughs> it was fantastic. Um, so
0: before, uh, I'm going to eventually ask everyone how they got interested in this topic, but for now, uh, let's talk more about Phoenix. This is an area of high sightings, right? Does anyone want to talk about that part of it, the amount of sightings and that come in?
1: I think Tara should take Tara. one. Well, I, I would first think that it has a lot to do with the wonderful weather we have here. And, yes. <laughs> you know, we have big skies and blue skies and mostly clear skies with some <clears throat> likely clouds here and there, but people are outside a lot. They're outside during the day and at night, and they're looking up, especially now since the Phoenix Lights had happened, there's more people to wear. And so I think that might be why we get a lot more sightings reported because... There's more people around. Outside warm weather. States
3: mm-hmm.
1: have more sightings.
4: Lots of I would, most of our reports that we get, the CMS we get uh here, they start off either one way or the other. Either I was walking the dog and looked up, or I was outside smoking a cigarette. I'm on back patio and I looked up. They are about the two ways, or the hot tub.
0: Yeah, or the hot hot time they
4: time. are the the most common starting uh, of the report. The yeah. starting yeah. section of or the
2: report. People still smoking cigarettes and walking dogs. Yeah.
5: <laughs> <words>. <laughs> yeah. And but but see then there's then there's then there's other <laughs> sightings that occur. Now I had not had a sighting in my adult life, all right, until I was standing in this backyard behind this house we're in right now, and. Remember that?
4: Oh boy, I do. We actually
5: did a police chase of this (laughs) UFO that we saw and it was three round objects and I said that looks like a cluster of balloons and there were three round objects they looked big enough so that when they came to the roof of a house that they were approaching I was absolutely certain that they were going to bounce off the roof. But they went behind the roof like nothing and emerged from the other side and like, whoa, those have to be many feet across because that house was hundreds of feet away and that roof was that much further away, right? So this is why, you know, you observe. And the thing is, when we looked, we couldn't really see it because the light was very, very dim on it. It was a
4: shadow. I mean, it was almost, what it did is as it was going right back here, as it was going from one house uh, rooftop to the other, it actually was blacking out the stars that were in the sky, and it was like this big blob, and all you can see, it was just moving. It was a solid object. So, whatever it was, it was solid. It
5: was definitely like three round objects, and it looked like- Darker um, No dark. No, it was, it was dark, but it was reflecting some light from the ground, which is how we saw it. The only way you could see it was by blocking out the street lights. How did, you happen to, how did it happen to catch your attention? uh well actually i was standing in the backyard probably with the assault gun to shoot flies or something <laughs> at night right just get them while they're sleeping yeah, and we were... and she says marianne said um what's that i'm like what well, look in there i see this thing in the dim light but you had to block out other lights in order to see it was it silent someone's asking it was Double. totally silent oh totally which yeah. is why i said oh those mm-hmm. got those have to be balloons
1: yeah
5: but if they're balloons They were each the size of weather balloons. And I mean, now you might I just finished telling you that you can't gauge scale, right? (laughs) But yeah, we did have reference points. Okay. The reference points were the distant house. That's right, Karen. They were this distant house, the slope of the roof. We knew how far that house was because we measured it after. And that distance made those balloons, if that's what they were, something that had to be at least four feet in diameter each. Wow. At that distance for that angular size in the sky. And unless there was some kind of big party going on that we didn't know about, with you know wow. three giant four foot each balloons that were attached in a, in a triplet like that.
4: Uh, we, uh, we grabbed the keys. I ran in here, grabbed the keys off the uh, counter, jumped in the expedition, and started <laughs> just hauling buns around town, or, or around the, the community here, the neighborhood. Yeah. There was nobody out. There was no parties. There was. It was a very quiet area. We so, tried. To, yeah, we tried, find, find
5: we tried to find. We tried to find the activity that could have caused it because I don't. You know, I don't easily believe in something like that. I'm skeptical because I have to be right. Um, so as soon as we leave this development, all right, racing at above the speed limit. Incidentally, <laughs> um, the lights of the street lights of the main road completely blocked out any possibility of seeing this thing. So we actually, I tried and tried and tried to actually see where this thing was. We had a path. We could see the path, but then Mm -hmm. when we got out into the road, we couldn't see it anymore. It was almost like you wouldn't be able to see it. If it was actually uh, something that was going to be, I guess, if it was going to be something that was going to be like a, a illuminated, it was illuminated by itself. If it wasn't, then you you would have been able to uh, uh, see it in the sky, but we, we, or not see it in the sky. Uh, but the lights from below were illuminating it. And the thing that was different was there were streetlights. And as something approaches streetlights, it gets illuminated from here. And that illumination changes as it moves across the sky, right? This didn't change. It stayed constant. So that meant that it was, and again, this is a, a perspective and a, a, a reference point thing it was further than the the street lights on the other side of those houses as well because those lights did not change when they when they if they were playing on it you didn't see them change you'd see the angle change of the light we did not see any of that now i'm going to ask you something did you report it of course not <laughs> <laughs> my bad don't look at me that way stacy <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. well the yeah. thing is okay if we reported it, we would report the sighting. We wouldn't be able to report any evidence. So I was really disappointed we couldn't get evidence. I actually took out the phone, and we had time to actually look and see if we could see it. And I said, I can't see it. And I have a manual application for the, for the iPhone where you can use your camera in a manual manner. And I just couldn't get that thing to, to come up and be able to do this in time
3: were they in like in a row
5: or there were sorry? no they or were like others? this there was there was three one here one here one. so it's like a, a triangular like an equilateral triangle of three objects that were round yeah. but and but equally solid reflecting in the middle. yeah there was no light in they the, were, you could not see anything yeah they were close the, they were close together <clears throat> and again i i didn't i didn't did not discount that they could just be really big balloons but i did expect them to act like balloons the light should have changed as they moved across the landscape. And
4: they would have been
5: huge. That would have been big. Would, right?
4: I don't never. I don't know if I've ever seen a four-foot balloon. Well,
5: I and have. That, okay, I, I guess unless it's
4: a okay.
0: No, it well, was crazy. Not not to give you too much of a hard time, YouTube, but reporting something like this could find other witnesses that. Oh no, may
4: I, know, I know. Uh, did, I know. We did. I did leave it up them. to her.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Somebody else
0: Good one.
4: But, yeah. no, uh, I drove around and everything, and uh, there was nobody out, at least not driving around. Mm-hmm. And nobody, I did not see anybody walking on the street. So, but, yeah, you never know who could have been in the backyard.
0: Yeah. Or smoking. Yeah. Walking smoking, yes. They could have been doing that. Well,
3: and, like, people report, like, sometimes some people can see them and other people can't. So maybe it was just for your benefit.
5: Yeah. yeah. You know? I mean, no, I think that is- say that. I think this was something that was a missed opportunity, to be honest. We should have probably reported it, you know. You know, every time I'm on a plane, I'm always, don't give me the finger. I know, I know. It's just not the finger, sorry. That's that's not quite what you're saying. Well, it's just, just pointing finger. like this. Yeah. The index finger. The index finger. <laughs> Okay. Okay, yeah.
4: Martin, move on with another story here. I'm going to really get yelled at later on here.
0: <laughs> oh, this is not public. Oh, yeah. no. I think, um, well, <clears throat> I didn't report, and I've, I I could still report what I saw back sure. in 2007. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. And I have looked online about the area where I was at, and there was something that sounded, a de- you know, very similar to what I saw. It might have been the same night. See, I don't even remember the date. I really don't even remember the time of year. Yeah, California, every re- the seasons are but mostly alike.
2: Our, our MUFON field investigators are so skilled at what they do <laughs> that they can look up this information and they can compare it, they can see what was in the area at the time, they can tell you if there's other people that saw things that were similar to that. Yeah.
0: Well, and someone did pieces report a
2: puzzle, go into the database and help every little bit.
0: Yeah, someone did report seeing a cigar shaped object. That's not what I saw. But however, <clears throat> as someone pointed out to me once at an angle. Uh, A disc can look like a disc, which I saw could look like a cigar shape, which is all interesting. And speaking of shapes, um, David, who's behind the camera, his uh, mother had a about a 1948 triangle UFO sighting. You don't hear too much of them, um, you know, happening back then. But uh, a lot of people talk about why now is there more triangle UFOs than ever. And what happened to the good old-fashioned disks? Does anyone want to? The
3: triangle nation took over the disk nation <laughs> out. I see.
5: Yeah. Well, I mean, from, from a point of view of, of just what people are seeing, I guess, uh, from the outside, you can say, well, maybe there's more human-made things in the sky that form triangle formations, for instance. Uh, and this is meant to add to this, not subtracting it. Uh, there are certain satellites that have been put up by the Navy that travel in triplets. They're like an equilateral triangle in the sky when they move through the sky. If you see them, you might think that you're not seeing stars between the endpoints of these satellites because your brain mentally subtract, uh, subtracts those sometimes. And so it might look like a solid object, and you might say, oh, that's a triangle. But in 1948, they didn't have these types of things in the sky, right? So it wouldn't be that. Um, but then again, there are uh, other options, right? There are other possibilities. Maybe uh, if you want to look at it from an extraterrestrial point of view, maybe there are several races that right. have found That's us. kind of like well, which is what was being like, No, you know, I know what you mean. No, you know, right.
3: like maybe this other you know, planner, when he finally reached us, and they like us, so they're hanging around more where the – you know, wherever they from, you know, they – they're done with us.
5: And they're like, yeah. <laughs> well, don't don't forget, people are still seeing discs, you know. Right. But I mean, it's like there
3: could be thousands of different shapes.
5: Yeah, that's correct. And it depends on what kind of technology an advanced race might actually choose to exploit in order to ply that vast gulf between the stars. And in all cases, one of the interesting things is, you know, uh, people are saying that these, these uh, flying saucers are actually um, particle accelerators, which is why they're round. And the same thing with triangles. The triangles are triangular shaped because they're particle accelerators. And uh, a, a good friend of mine. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. And, and that, the, the whole point of these flying saucers, if you call them that, is that they exploit a, a whole, not a whole, but, but a, a opportunity in physics to be able to uh, move through uh, dimensions in a way that require the use of a particle accelerator to generate certain types of particles so you can extract yourself. Right. From our dimensional space.
3: It, there's a lot of evidence pointing towards that because people who have no idea of science describe the movements in exactly the same way. Like they kind of wobble and things like that, which would make sense, you know, from a scientific point
5: of view. In fact, it does, because uh, Bob Schroeder, a friend of mine, he wrote Solving UFO yep. Enigma. You yep. know Bob. Yeah. Okay. Um, Bob's a great guy, uh, and and he's not prone to flights of fancy. And Bob discusses this in his book. And uh that's probably one of the few books I read because it had a lot of equations in it, which I, and not because I like equations. Okay. I'm not that much of a geek, but maybe I am. Well, but, but the (laughs) fact, thank you. (laughs) You But the fact is I wanted to really understand the science that he was suspecting was there. And you know what? It's sound. It's sound. And the thing that's interesting is that when you talk about alien races traveling through space, that's where you leave you know, most modern astrophysics people behind because right. then they're like, "Yeah that. Nah, the that, vast that, distance. that can't happen. The, the distances the distances are so that they can't possibly do it. But the fact is, they're not traveling those distances. They're traveling, and it's not like wormholes, but it's like folding space.
1: Yeah.
5: We see that now, and we see how to do that now. We just can't do it because we don't have the technology. So if we see that you know, only 5,000 years into our written history from ancient Samaria. Well, then I'm sure there's a race out there that's done it. Because if we look at the way planets are formed, that's my specialty in astronomy is exoplanets, right? So if we look at the way these planets are being formed, it's a sliding window. We see planets that are 12 billion years old. The universe is 13.8. So planets have been around for quite a while. So along that sliding window of planetary formation, there's certainly going to be an alien race that's managed to find something somewhere to find some way to get to advancement, you know, and they're not going to look like us. They're not going to look like us because we look exactly the way we do because of five major extinction events and changes in biodiversity on our planet. But that's not to say that it didn't happen another way to reach intelligence. We only know how intelligence can be reached from this planet. We don't know how it would work elsewhere. Right, so they can be here. I have no doubt, and they could be here from multiple places. But, but also, you, you just say that, that. Well, we're a
0: binocular vision, bipedal. Uh, that, yep, yeah, and and pets, but I mean, there's a lot of similarities to our species on this planet.
5: Every species on this planet is symmetric. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're all symmetric, mm-hmm. whether radial symmetry like a tulip or a, dandel- a dandelion or whatever, or bilaterally symmetric like most of the upper life forms starfish hmm. are odd because starfish start off as bilateral symmetric larvae and they become pentam they become they become the, pent- the pentamerism uh, organisms where it's five-sided hmm. kind of a weird radial thing all right but but still They're, they've got to be alien they, they, they might be i think the octopus is alien to be honest yeah with i you. know the octopus <laughs> to me is the most intelligent yeah. uh, animal an animal in the, uh, the yeah. ocean amazing yeah I love, I love those things yeah i don't want them on me but i love yeah. those things um, i'll watch them from a yeah. distance okay you can play with them. all right i have yeah oh Stupid. really I, yeah i oh. yeah. really I'm scared the heck out of it <laughs>
0: uh, um so does anyone here would anyone here be up for talking about a personal ufo sighting they had oh,
8: yeah. well
0: you saw the gimbal yeah do you want to talk about that i know you uh, have before but yeah. we'd love to hear it again
8: um, yeah, so, you know, I was in the Navy. Um, I worked in intelligence the for 16 years, and, um, I was stationed on board the Theodore Roosevelt in 2015. you fifteen. going to have to talk a little bit loud. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, I was stationed on board the USS Theodore Roosevelt in 2015, and, um, uh, obviously working in Intel, I was kind of privy to what was happening, um, on the ship, and... I, uh, so I didn't hear about it initially right away. So the the night that it happened, I had gone down to bed um, and I heard that they launched the alert because they announced that. Um, And so I called up to my shop and I said, hey, is there there anything I need to know about? Do I need to come upstairs? And I said, no. Um, So the next day I go up to my shop and uh, a buddy of mine, uh, from another part of Intel who works more closely with the pilots, came in with a and said, hey, look at this, pull it up. Um, so I, I got on my computer and I pulled up uh, what is now the gimbal video. Um, and that was the first time I saw it in 2015. Uh, the go fast video was also from the same incident, but this was an incident that went on for four nights so they came back every night for four nights. But those those two, the gimbal and the go fast I believe are from two um, different nights.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's what started you on your whole <clears throat> path to yes. uh things that other things happen you know we don't have to talk about that now but I mean yes. that's what really got you involved and I love your book by the way and I'm yes. I'm into your book a, a good part of the way and throw the name of it.
8: Uh, it's, it's called initiated. That's uh, right.
0: Yeah. So. Here I am reading. I can't even throw the title out there.
8: <laughs> <laughs> well, you've probably read so many you
0: might uh, A few. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, not as many as I should. Anyone else want to fill up to talking about a personal sighting? And if not, I have another thing to throw in. Anything? So I
6: started talking to other people. Like I talked to an investigator in the academy that I went to. He saw Hudson uh, Valley, uh, the boomerang and when he's a teenager, and I'm finding everybody's got personal interest. Um, and I, I shared it with Stacy, and I've shared it here uh, with these two, but um, so so it was summer, late summer of 89. And when you're talking about trying to go back and work things back, um, kind of have to do a little bit of that. So we're up in a cabin, uh, Pine Mountain Lake, Groveland, and uh, I'm an attorney general investigator for the state of California for Department of Justice. And my buddy is a homicide, I think he was a homicide at the time, He's a detective with Fremont. So we've been buddies since we're 26. We hang around together, the families. So we have both families at the cabin. And uh, so it's just a nice place to go for the the summer and his in-laws bought it so it's free. (laughs) So uh, we're up there and it's basically a rectangular cabin. And uh, on this side of the room, we have my room on one side, Bing's room, Bing was his name, uh, on the other side of the cabin. Uh, The kids were in the front room area stacked. My daughter, about 14 at the time, my son 12, and then his son was about three. And then on the right-hand side of the room, we have uh, a half wall for the kitchen. In front of that, we had Kimmy's crib. Kimmy was born in May, so she's still an infant, late summer and uh, i just uh wake up in the middle of the night and i uh the door, the door to my bedroom's to my left around the bed and my uh, wife was uh facing away from me uh with her sleeping with her back to me and i hear something and i don't know what it is so i wake up and i look at the doorway and you got a little gray there and uh you're having that wtf moment uh because it's like that really um vivid bad dream and uh i look at that thing and we're talking do you remember uh they had those really tight black almost like a shark skin swimsuit that they were trying to during the olympics when uh uh, Mm -hmm. i think china but anyway i was looking at those it's a skin-tight black suit um it comes up to about the middle of his neck um and you know, when people talk about hand stuff, I couldn't even tell you. But he's got like little pecs, little eyes, little um, the long neck, and uh, those eyes are uh, like big bug eyes. And no, there's no uh, pupil. There's no blinking. It's like a pair of lenses. It's almost like they just like they're goggles. And uh, uh, the, the I think it's called the Amco. It was in an advertisement, Amco Alien. It was in one of the aerospace magazines. That's probably the closest I saw to it. Um, And his eyes are a little bit uh, bigger on the one that I was looking at, but I'm looking at it and I'm thinking bad dream. And then uh, it says to me, but not verbally, telepathically, it says you can't move and I couldn't move. And uh, okay, I'm a copper. I don't take orders from people, I give orders. And I was thinking, I couldn't move, and then I went to move again, and it said to me, and this is in English, you can't move, and I thought, I almost kind of panicked a little bit there, I was like, shit, I can't move, and then I can hear him, uh, they're not speaking in English, but I went, there's two more, I just knew there were two more in the front room, and I uh, shit, that my kids are out there, so uh, I hit the floor, and when I hit the floor, and I looked at him, I thought, I'm going to twist that big bulbous head off your skinny little neck, and, uh, and he's telling me I can't move as I'm hitting the floor. And then he turns to run from me. When he goes out of the room, um, their syntax on their little gerbling goes up a really rapid. And when he goes out of the room with me on his ass, uh, he hits face to face with the other one. And then they take off through my, the front room. And this is probably not much bigger than this room here. And as they're going into the front room, I'm thinking I'm gonna tackle both these boys. And then I look and to the uh, to my right is the crib and one of them has Kimby and he just looks at me and when he looked back at me, I went after him instead of, of the other two. He said he only had her inch or two off the bed so crib. And he just sets her down. He starts going with those other three. I got, I know I'm the owner because it's like you know, 10 feet to the end of the cabin. White light comes down. Bright white light. Uh, you have shadows in here. You guys can see them. I don't. Uh, but the light went. It started as bright light, and then it just went through everything. There's no shadows underneath. There's, uh, I mean, and it's loud humming. And then I'm just by myself in white light, and it's um, loud. And then boom, it's gone. And it's like you're in a bar. And when the music's really playing, and the music goes, and you're screaming. Well, now I'm standing in the front room, but I'm looking back toward my bedroom and my kids are on my right. And they're looking at me like, really, Dad? And uh, they're, they're in sleeping bags. And they're just there with their mouths open watching me. And I, uh, I look at them and I think, uh, I thought, okay. Then I hear my buddy and his wife, they're crying. They're wailing. I thought maybe they got into a brawl. I don't know. Usually with, you know, coppers, your buddy's in another room. He's going to come out. He didn't come out. So I asked him twice if he's okay. He goes, I'm fine. Just go to bed. So then I thought, okay, I just embarrassed myself in front of all my friends and had a super graphic bad drink. So then um, at that point, uh, we just, Bing and I, Bing kind of hit me up about it. Like he can't tell people, you know, we got, and I go, okay, whatever. So I'm just assuming it was an embarrassing moment for me. So my son was 12. He goes in the Navy. uh, uh, He was uh, AZ. And uh, he comes home on leave. He's 18. He goes, can I ask you a question? I go, what's, what's that? And he goes, when those little gray guys came in the cabin, how come we never talked about that? And I go, you saw him too? He goes, well, I saw the big bolt of light that hit you. And, um, but he said, sis has gone to counseling and everything else. She saw him, mom saw him, but she was playing possum um, because they scared her. And uh, Bing was still not talking to me about it. So then, uh uh putting all that together i was trying to think uh so bing uh, later uh just before he died we're on the beach down in uh san diego i was down there for half marathon he was down there for his uh new newest grandbaby so we're on the beach something's up by and i giggled that he goes i go you don't remember any of that he goes i remember all of it but you can't tell people about this our job's about credibility and i'm like or retired because I don't care. So, uh, mm-hmm. so then Jeannie his wife says, all I remember is sitting on the side of the bed crying with a big bright white light, a landing light over me. That's all I remember. So, um, so when it comes to memories, um, that's why I read uh, that book, uh, Forbidden Questions. I've read books since. I mean, I can't tell you how many books I've read on this thing uh, for many years. And I was trying to sort out with the regression. I like Yvonne Smith. Uh, watching videos and because I was a a copper for, you know, 25 years and I kind of read people or I kind of wait and let it settle in. I kind of liked uh, talking to her. But then again, um, I talked to my daughter. I said, do you want to do something like that? And she goes, I remember parts of it, but if I don't remember all of it, my brain knows what's best for me. I don't want to, I don't want to deal with it anymore. Uh, and And I don't want to do something like that. So then I tried to sort it out. So there, my uh, wife's—this is my first wife. Her father was a minuteman missile. He he did patent advising, mechanical drawing. He's a high-end little guy. And uh, then Bing's family. Bing's half Cherokee. He's a three-hundred-pound guy. He's good for backup when he comes. Uh, when he comes charging, it is going to happen. Um, he, so I'm thinking. I know they from reading. They say they follow families. So as they follow families, um, I'm thinking, well, maybe it's my wife's side of the family because of uh, the Minuteman missile. and uh, Kids are extremely bright. Uh, And then maybe it's Bing side because he's American Indian and he seemed to want to just kiss it right off. So I don't know. But uh, that's what got me interested. Yeah.
0: Great. Uh, By the way, I don't think we're supposed to say the word shit.
6: Oh, excuse (laughs)
0: me. (laughs) That's okay. Um, Uh, Oh, did I just say that? Yeah. All right, sorry. Um, All right, so we're going into break. For those of you over at KGRA Radio, uh, we have about a four-minute break. For those of you watching, uh, check out this clip on the boot camp going right now. Hang in there. We'll be right back.
2: very
4: very very important do not be biased okay um, don't go in an interview and think oh this guy or this gal um, this is gonna be kind of a rep case uh, I'm just gonna go do what I have to do and get, not even pay attention to it because this is gonna be perfect just don't be biased on that person stay impartial everybody's equal
8: Suggestibility, Um, there are a lot of people, and there are some mental illnesses that really increase this, are highly suggestible, Um, meaning that um, they're impressionable, uh, they'll take other people's viewpoints into consideration, and sometimes even to the point of countering their own uh, memory of of an event. And then bias. Um, this is basically after the fact incorporating uh, new feelings, new information, and kind of coloring and changing your memory uh, based on things um, that, that happen. Um.
5: If it costs money, it's worth it. You know why? Because it does augmented reality, pull it up. And there's others that do this, but this one is better. And the reason is because, oh, because this is what it looks like when you zoom in on, say, Orion, okay? You see everything that's in that constellation. It tells you what's up there, and it gives you this information, okay? And you even subscribe to something called supermassive, which allows you to zoom in to the Orion nebula so far that it's just a pink haze. You're so close, you can see everything.
0: And in the desert, you can step on any piece of ground. You're always going to leave some evidence of your passing that area.
8: It could be just a pebble that's pushed into the ground a little deeper than the rest of them. could be a whole footprint or even a heel mark. Uh might be something really, really small, but you have to be aware of them. And uh,
0: in the case of hoaxes, this is going to come to the forefront. If you go around and you see this evidence, but you see footprints around everything,
8: you're gonna to start to wonder, is this stuff planted here? Mm. You know, are they trying to make a fool out of me? Or are they trying to gain some kind of notoriety or attention?
0: All right, everyone. Welcome back. This is Martin Willis, and we are on location in Mesa. That's how you say it, right? Yes. You, say it right? you got yeah. it. All right. So, um, again, we're going to be taking calls in another half hour, and uh, I that was a, a, quite an amazing story you, you told there. And I wondered if anyone else had anything they'd like to share and UFO sighting experiences.
5: Yeah, I know that, you know, I'm a science guy, right? So I always say it's just sort of a standard line. You know, these things don't happen to me, right? But when they do, uh, what do you do with that? You know, and so I've had things happen that I can't explain. Things that are so far outside of my understanding and the understanding of anybody that uh, there's just you just have to say, This happened. There it is. I don't know what to do with it. You know, and I had uh, I had three nights of terror, which actually caused me to move out of my old house where uh, I kept hearing something knocking, you know, dump, 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 on my ceiling um, in a second floor of a dormant cape. And uh, the end result was um, there was on the third night of that. I woke up, and it was 3.15 a.m. each and every night, every, every morning, I should say, 3.15. And I looked at the clock. It's 3.15. Why am I awake again? Bum, 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 bum. What's going on? My dogs were looking at it, okay? They had greyhounds. Tycho and Kepler, right? Astronomers, dogs, they always say. And so they're looking at this, too. And, um, you know, to, to shorten that down to, you know, uh, digestible, bottom line was on the third night, I woke up again, and I'm like, oh, here we go again. And I, I, as I woke up, I'm sitting there, and I go to look. It's an August night. It's dark. The windows, the window I could see, the, it was peripheral vision. I could see the, the light outside the window, the streetlight in the distance. Vaguely illuminates the window frame. And I just went to look at it, and I got this really sharp pain in my eyes. I couldn't move my, my head. And when I went to look with my eyes, I couldn't move my eyes. My eyes didn't move. I couldn't do this. You know, they wouldn't work. And I thought, whoa, what's going on here? And then I saw it, this object passed in front of the window and it looked like it had some kind of more vertical than horizontal form, okay, it was taller than it was wide. And then it starts coming right toward me. And it's got what looks like a, a magic wand, a magician's wand, right? It was this long thing that was clear, semi-clear and glowing soft white. And I couldn't look at it because I was fixed like this. My eyes were like this. So I only see everything in the peripheral vision. I couldn't look at it. So it comes over here and it starts going back and forth in front of my face. And then, pow, it's morning and I can't breathe. And, and we, just just let me
0: just. So it sounded like when we first started talking about this, that it was outside. Was this
5: inside your home? Yes, it was inside. Inside your yeah, home? Yeah, yeah. The so knocking was
3: illuminating the
5: face. The window was, yeah, the, he, he passed in front of the window inside my house. So I saw something oh, pass in front of the window. I got it. And I was in bed, at least I thought. But then it came toward me as if the bed wasn't there. And, and I've always said, could it be a wacky dream? Well, maybe. But the problem with that is as follows. When I woke up in the morning, uh, I pushed off the pillow because I couldn't breathe. And I was lying in a pool of my own blood. It was a, I had Who sleeps with their face straight down on a pillow? You know, nobody, you sleep on your side or on your back or whatever. But I was straight down and making this concave hole and had been bleeding into it and then trying to inhale my own blood. So that's what made me wake up. So I realized that and I was like, holy cow. And this was after three nights of hearing the sound and weird stuff going on. So then uh, I got up, felt like I had been slammed in the face, couldn't breathe out of this side right away, right from that breakpoint. And I did what anyone who suffers such a traumatic thing does. I immediately forgot about it, came to shower and went to work. Right? (laughs) Well, it took me four years of full blockage on this side before I went to a surgeon. And the surgeon looked up in there and he said, holy cow, he says, you've got something huge up there. Really? Yeah. So he said, I think I can get it out. And he pulled it through this little tiny nostril. It was like two size, two thumbs in size, okay, which was you know, that's gross, isn't it? It's just, well, it was like, you know, now we say this like total recall with Arnold Schwarzenegger pulling that ball out was it. You get it out. And he pulls this thing out, right? And it just fills it, and the nostril just stretches and it pops out, you know? <clears throat> well, that's how it felt, okay? It was, it was gross. Well, anyway, um, I asked him a question. I said, like, i just curious, could those things, seed uh, around a foreign object. And he said, you mean like a metal splinter, a machinist? Machete? I go, yes. And he said, sure. Why do you ask? And idiot here, that's me, <clears throat> told him the story I just sort of told you. And he laughs at oh, all. He goes, I'm sure it's not aliens. And I really was kind of surprised that he would jumped to that conclusion. I said, no, no, of course not. I wouldn't think that. Well, I did. You know, I, I wasn't sure. And then a week later, he said, call me. I'll, I'll give you the results. So I call him. And I say, and they answer the phone. I say, hi, this is Mark D'Antonio. Oh, hold on. The doctor has to talk to you. I'm like, oh, no, it's like head cancer or something. It's gonna, my head's going to fall off. You know? He gets on the phone. Hey, Mr. D'Antonio. Just want to let you know. I'm sure it's benign. Oh, I said, so you didn't get the results yet. And it's like, it's like he's not cricket. Was that a cricket? Yes. <laughs> okay. And, and I'm saying like, why? Why is he not answering? And I said, uh, what? Did you not get the results yet? And he goes, well, he goes, this has not happened in 40 years of practice. They always say that. Why? Why me? Why does it be 40 years of practice and in me? And he goes, but I we sent it to the pathology. They signed for it, and now they can't find it. No. Oh. He goes, but it's benign. And I just said, okay, no problem. Thanks, doc. hung up. Four years later, I go back to him for something else. And this time I put on my, my intake form. I do special projects for the Navy. Okay. And when he comes into the room, uh, he says, oh, special projects for the Navy. Huh? He goes, I just gave up my top secret clearance this year. Uh, what? I said, <clears throat> what are you, operating on top secret nasal things? And he laughs. No, no, no. He goes, I wasn't always a surgeon. And he proceeded to tell me about his involvement in a project which he didn't give me the name, but which I deduced to be Project Starfish. Hmm. Now, do you know about Project Starfish? Have you heard of it? It's the one where they they sent a nuclear weapon up into the ionosphere to to ostensibly study what happens when a nuclear weapon explodes in the upper ionosphere. But he, he laughed when I said that, okay, to him, when he said it to me, and I said, well, I said, that sounds like Project Starfish. I mean, that that project lit up Honolulu for a split second when they set it off. And it was 1,600 miles away. And he goes, "Uh uh-huh. He goes, well, it it wasn't to test a nuke. It was to take down a satellite, which they did. And he said it was successful. And he was responsible for some major part of that. And he held on to his clearance for decades and was a consultant. So uh, he had just given it up that year. And now I know exactly what happened. I know exactly what happened. Well, almost everybody listening knows exactly what happened. Yeah. When you have a clearance, you have to report anything that may jeopardize national security to you or whoever you communicate with. Okay? And so you have to say, um, yes, this happened, and so-and-so had this happen, and maybe he might be interested in this. I know how the conversation went. I could just feel it. He probably called whoever he talks to, whoever is local person is for intelligence and he says yeah i had a patient who said this weird thing happened to him you know it is a strange object but i don't know if i believe him uh, okay what's the patient's name uh-huh at hospital uh-huh and where's it located there's where it's located and that's why it went away and now you see that doctor has plausible deniability under a polygraph which i've had many of okay under a polygraph exam he would not be telling a lie if he said he didn't know where it went, he'd be truthful. He wouldn't be deceptive. So you see, they they, they cover all along the way. They have those little those little outs for people who are in innocent. So he's out. He has no knowledge of where it went. He sent it down to pathology, and well, it wasn't there a week later.
0: Now, and, was that tapping tapping upstairs the same time that um, the the door opened? You talked about that story. I don't know
5: if you want to talk about that story or not. Like you went and you looked, and the attic door was open. Well, that's a very different event. That was um, this. See, this. Now we're talking about uh, familial things, right? Where you have families involved. Yeah. So you don't really want to talk about that. Yeah, that's that's a weird one. Okay, it was two in the morning, and I woke up because I heard little feet in my attic. It sounded like my youngest son walking around the attic. Okay. And you could follow with your ears, you could follow the, the sound across the attic floor, and then you could hear the grinding as he turned the ball of his foot and went a different direction. And he's moving around like a little pitter patter. It wasn't like a, you know, a drum, drum, It was like, drum, 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 drum. And it, 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 you could actually feel it, hear it, okay? So I said, what are my kids doing in the attic? So I went into their room, turned on their light, Ready to find out that one of my kids was up in the attic, right, which is hard to get to, by the way, and they were both asleep. uh Oh, there's somebody in my attic. This is a a, a a carriage house style house that that would constitute the the uh, one, two, three, fourth floor. Okay, up in the attic, and to get there, you got to climb a steep ladder, take a giant heavy wood door off to go into this space, which you can, you know put your head you know stand up in. So I immediately called the police and I told them what I'm experiencing and they know the kind of work I was doing for the Navy. So as soon as I hung up, you see blue lights on the horizon through the window. So they're already coming and they, I told them silent approach because I don't know who's up there. And they got here and it was a male and a female a police officer and they walked in the house and I greet them and they come upstairs and now we're standing in the room looking at this ladder going <coughs> up to the door to the attic which is closed. Okay. And the male officer looks at the female officer, looks at me, and says, seems okay. And I went, yeah, I think it's okay. And they left. Not one of us decided to go up into the attic to investigate the sound. (coughs) And and that made no sense to me, right? Now, the following morning, I get up, and I'm hearing noise up there again. I go, what is going on? I go around the corner. I see that my youngest son is not in his bed. I go around the corner into the room. I look up the stairs. The door is open. I run up there, and he's on the floor sitting there. I go, Hunter, what are you doing in here? He goes, I don't know. And I was like, whoa. So I, what? So there's – and that's that's the son who said that um, he had – a weird encounter. It's why he was sleeping in the bed in our and bed. There's
2: no way that he could have lifted that heavy door out of the way to get in there. Nah,
5: I think he could have. That's the thing. I think he could have, but but I don't know that he knows why he went there. Hmm. You know, and he won't talk about it. By the way, he's 23 now. He won't talk about this. You know. So and so that it follows family around. I think. You know, but uh, I I respect his privacy and not telling other stories that's happened to him because that's just really. Crazy, you crazy.
3: Know? It's funny you have such detailed, long, most amazing stories I've ever heard. Well, Where most of us have had UFO sightings and the weird thing about them is that they're just so quick. Right. They're like this that you almost doubt, like, what was that? Because I've had weird, I've had a sighting that literally lasted probably one and a half seconds. Yeah. In the daylight, but going down the street and then all of a sudden I saw something falling out of the sky. Like it looked exactly like it, it a disc, a shiny disc, going like that. You know how it would go end over end? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, and it, and I, I thought it was going to crash. I mean, it was not that far. And there was like a whole, you know, row or the street was full of traffic. And I was like, I saw it and I'm oh my God. And then I thought it was going to crash. And then it it was gone.
1: It was like, you could see
3: it for about three rotations and nothing. Well, yes. And it was so quick. And I'm looking around at the other cars to see if anyone else was looking. It doesn't seem like anyone did, but. Things happen like that. And it's yeah, like, but what, see, do
5: you, what do you do like that? See, that's the thing, though. See, that's a quick thing. Mm-hmm. If something is distended and drawn out, you tend to remember. Oh, yeah. And if you're already a good observer, like I was always a, a good observer, always situationally aware. I always knew what's going on around me. We call it social radar. Maybe that comes from a martial arts background. I don't know what you want to call it. But it does come from having some kind of awareness at all times. So I was always a good observer that way, and I think that's very important. Everybody should be. You know, and But I, if it was I, quick, I think I would have said okay. the same
3: observation as you. And I just recently remembered a UFO sighting that's just so mundane that you don't even think about it as a UFO sighting. It was like in uh, fifth grade, we were on the playground, and people were going, there's a UFO, there's a UFO. And so we were all trying to see it. It was just like, I would probably call it a cigar yeah. shape. It was a dark, elongated object in the sky. And we were all just looking. It was just sitting there far away, but you could see it. And, you know, you normally, there's not anything dark in the sky you can see in a day. And then we just, I just kept remember going after school, looking at it, and it's still there. <laughs> and it was, and then that was it, you know, next day it wasn't there and we all kind of talked about wow. it, but just weird little things that you can forget because it wasn't, a, you know, an amazing thing, but I mean, that just came to me not that long ago.
5: Wow. Well, see at a playground that
3: just a dark object and i was like well i don't know that not much to it but city grade? Was that? <laughs> that was in uh belton missouri and what year was this Dang, i don't know uh fifth grade <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, a
5: long
6: interesting <clears throat> you're asking her day. what her age is
3: i can't do math <laughs> but i don't know i'm born sixty-three. so what how old are you and in- Grade ten, mm-hmm. so, okay, seventy, three ish, seventy, in
5: the seventies. See, that's funny because, like, did you report to MUFON?
3: <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't even know there was. A, I didn't know this is the funny thing. I did not know there was MUFON or there was MUFON oh, or any UFO groups sure, until two thousand eleven, and yeah. I didn't know there was yeah. groups. I didn't know there was conferences. Yeah, yeah. Until
5: well, two thousand eleven, I, I, I joined MUFON when. <laughs> Now, two years after it was founded in nineteen
3: seventy-one. That's so crazy. I was eleven
5: years old. <laughs> eleven. Yep.
3: I mean, back then there's no internet. You would have had to like go to a store. I went get to a, a magazine, store. I saw a little thing. Go in the back thing. of the
5: magazine. Uh, not mouse, not, I not did... that. It was actually a little, a little, <laughs> little thing on the on the wall that said, "Join MUFON today." It was Midwest UFO Group. Okay, it wasn't yeah, Mutual UFO Network. It was Midwest UFO Network or something.
0: Have you paid all your dues? No.
5: Oh. <laughs> but I did have my field investigator badge Not uh, from when I was eleven years old. i carried my wallet, every single new wallet it would transfer it. And I dropped that wallet in the water about six years ago, seven years ago. And when I pulled it out, I said, Oh good, the move on my move on idea is still in there. I could care less about the money that's all wet now and everything, but that was there. So I, I just made sure that the money dried out and I didn't do anything with that. When I looked in that transparent little pouch. It had long since dissolved, and all that was was an imprint on the plastic of my ID. I was like, oh, no, it's gone. It's been gone for years. You, know? you mentioned that. that see, that thing in fifth grade? I think kids have these, these things too. I, I was in sixth grade, and we were going on a field trip to a pond. And you might know the story. And, and I didn't know what missing time was until it happened to me. I remember. I've said this before. I got on the, on the bus with my little bag lunch, my little shorts. It was it was like June. It like this I jeans. was holding it like this, <laughs> all excited, getting the bus. You know, making the little sounds with your you know cheeks on the vinyl hee, You know, and then I remember yeah. getting off the bus at the at the pond where we're going, and then all of a sudden I remember getting on the bus again with my lunch still in my hand, not eaten, and I remember asking, "Why are we going back?" When are we going to go to the pond? And they were saying, you idiot, because kids are so, you know, nice to you. You idiot, we've been here all day. You're stupid, you know, you dumbass. Sorry about the words. That's all right. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, so I, I, I didn't know what was wrong. I, I thought, well, how did I miss it? Well, anyway, I got home. And, you know, kids, they just pass it off. I want to just play now. So I'm playing out in the empty lot next to my house. And I remember feeling weird. And I remember falling to the ground and I remember having seizures and convulsions. I remember my body unconsciously going into these contortions that I couldn't control. And I remember distinctly whacking my head on the sand and feeling the sand grind against my forehead and seeing little red ants moving around. And while this is all happening, all I'm thinking is, oh, cool ants. <laughs> I'm not thinking anything about my well being, right? So, Obviously, they called the ambulance. I go to the hospital in the ambulance. And while in the ambulance, I say to the, to the guys, which was actually a police car station wagon back then with a little gumball on top. Okay. Um, I said, Can you run the siren? How old are you? I was, I was like nine. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I was nine then. Yeah, right. yeah. You know how old I am. I'm 60, <laughs> 60, 61. <clears throat> yeah. I'm just teasing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, anyway, so I get to the hospital and the doctors see this big lump <laughs> on my forehead and, and they say, Oh, did you fall? I said, yeah, I fell on a dock at the pond. You know, there's no docks at the pond to this day. But I was lying because I wanted to get the heck out of there. You know, so they said the doctor said, Oh, my parents, he just had a concussion. Just take him home, let him rest, he'll be okay. So all they did was just wipe out the sand that was still <clears> embedded in my forehead, and they brought me home. And my my mother's like, Well, you're gonna have to rest now. All right, I'm like, All right, that's that was a Better way out than you know whatever else could have waited for me. I didn't know what I was going to get it for. So anyway, that that, that was a, a strange event, and I remember that because it was a long, it was a distended, extended period of time over which this happened. You know, so again, you got to be a good observer, right? Yeah, remember stuff.
3: Yeah, definitely, they targeted you, Mark. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> There's no <laughs> doubt.
5: Yeah. Um, and I just remember. I know. I think I just remember things that maybe other people don't. Remember, uh, maybe I, I remember things differently. I
3: don't think most of us had aliens. Don't forget, I, so yeah, notes, maybe you have. You, maybe you yeah. do, Maybe.
0: Okay. Does anyone else have had experiences or experience they wanna talk about at this point?
2: You saw some amazing aircraft over the,
1: <clears throat> right, right on the here.
2: Over
1: here in Arizona, right? I right. did. It was before I knew anything about MUFON or anything, I, I was taking pictures off the rim, and if anybody's ever been on the on Rim in Arizona, it's just beautiful, you just, you're way above um, the landscape and you just have these vast, vast mountains that just go forever. It's just beautiful. And so I had just gone in, we have a cabin up there, and we always stop at these lookout points because it's just so beautiful. And but I take millions of pictures, and I had taken some pictures, and I just did a snap one direction, one in the center and one on the side. And later when I looked back um, at those pictures, which I don't have anymore, of course, but um, I saw the first picture way, 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 way out. It's in the air, off the rim, way to the left side, a little tiny ball, and you can see a reflection. Camera on top. And in the second picture, right in front of me off the rim, probably maybe 30 feet, was this ball. I would estimate to be about as big as a basketball or so, but it was metallic. And it had like a, I would say, battleship gray color. But there were, um, you could tell it it was manufactured somehow because there were, Absolutely. It was just a big, looked like a metallic ball that I saw hovering off of the Mogollon Rim in Arizona. And um, I can't explain it as a field investigator. I have no idea what it was.
5: But you didn't see it at the time. I
1: did not see it. It was in my pictures when I looked back. That's a common
5: response. Mm -hmm. I didn't see it at the time.
1: And it was big enough for me to have seen. So... Shane Unless had it was
5: moving
6: through. Shane right. had something that was uh, up there in the overlook over Jerome, and it was only in five frames, and they're one 30th of a second, and uh, that thing was crystal clear. And then I, uh, when I was doing the on booth in Pine Top, one of the Indian girls came over to me. She said, "I saw something over by Seven Mile Mountain, but it was so quick." She goes, "I'm not sure if I saw it or not." And so I, I don't know that that's uncommon. But, uh, you start me. I start, you know, you try to listen when people talk. So
5: what, You had something you were saying before.
7: Yeah, I don't really see craft so much. We're just saying something living in Tucson. Because there's a lot of activity there. But this particular one of many experiences happened June 29th, 2016. I work in the oil industry, and I work for a contractor that goes to refineries with re- repairs and to get them to EPA standards, so I get sent out to the middle of nowhere. This trip was from, I was leaving Tucson to go to Rollins, Uh, Wyoming, and there was a famous abduction there by a hunter, I think in 1974. I can't remember the fellow's name, but that was an interesting story. So I leave at night, and I stop in Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, which is four and a half hours away from Tucson. Uh, Creepy name, anyway, right? Yeah, Yeah. very creepy. I always love
0: that. Uh,
7: Yeah. (laughs) So I'm always listening to my music. I'm always by myself, and I get lost, not paying attention, you know. But I knew I need to pull over, get fuel, so I exit. And also, this is important, um, I didn't get a a regular phone like normal people until 2018. I had a flip phone at the time, and I miss it very much. So I still use regular maps. I didn't have any internet, nothing. I had a regular map, and I also keep a compass, just a regular basic compass in my car at all times. That's a tip to everybody. That's a good way to uh, to see if maybe there's a craft hanging around if it starts spinning. So always just keep a compass nearby. So I go to leave, I fuel up, and then the freeway's gone just gone. I thought, okay, well, maybe I drove down further than what I thought, so I start driving the, the only road. I'm going and going. I said, oh, I didn't go this far off the exit. What's what's this? So I just kept going, and all of a sudden, I saw this enormous fair. This You know, this traveling fairs with all the bright lights like the one we saw that was here this weekend. Really pretty. I said, what the... It's 1230 at night. What the heck is this fair doing? All the rides were moving, going. Nobody was there. Nobody was there. It's Okay said, all right, well maybe they're just running them to get the oil out or some excess oil for whatever. So I wanted to take a picture. and I had a regular camera on the floorboard of the passenger side, and I must have been down thirty times to try to grab my camera to take a picture. I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. I got so angry I could not pick the camera up. So yeah,
0: like physically, I could not
7: to... pick it up. Mm. I, back at thirty, at least thirty times. Then I got angry. I just oh, I drove off. And about a mile later, I slammed the brakes, and I said, "I'm going to get a picture." I went back, same thing. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't pick it up at all. So it was still there. It was still there, but I just couldn't. My fingers would not wrap around the, the camera to pick it up. So then I just gave up. So I'm driving still, and then I saw a street to the left. Finally, a street because I looked on the map, and oh yes, I forgot the the compass was spinning like crazy, like crazy. And there was no lights. I saw nobody. So I took that street to the left, and then I went to uh, a trailer park, a decent kind of trailer park. And the, there were cars and all the, 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 the parking you know, the garage, and then the, some lights were on. I got lost in that uh, trailer park for two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. I could not get out of it. Couldn't, I couldn't get out of it. Then I pulled over and I realized, okay, something's not quite right here. I realized it. I wasn't afraid, but I got really angry, like red hot anger super, super angry and uh, to the point where you just blood red and then you get to your eye because you're so angry. And then there was the freeway. Huh. There were, And then the, the rest of the, the journey up to Rollins because it was in the middle of the night. It, it just went on and on. It wouldn't end. I didn't see another person for 12 hours. Not, not one person.
5: That okay. sounds hour. like a
2: Stephen King dog. Yeah, it was creepy.
5: It was creepy. Did you notice at the time whether everything seemed to be in the present? It
7: was yeah. I didn't lose any time or anything like that. I was aware of all of it. I couldn't get out. There was nowhere nowhere to go. I, there was nowhere to go. Well, uh, in 2019, I contacted the desert. I was lucky enough to have a drink with Whitley Strieber. So I told him the experience, and he looked at me with these sad eyes and says, "Jennifer, that was a screen memory. The the fair was a screen memory." I felt so stupid. I said, "Yeah, that could could have been what it was." You know, it's also a story for me. You didn't realize that. And you know when you're in the middle of it, you don't realize these no. things. You just don't think about it. And you know what a screen memory is.
5: In the two and a half hours in the trailer park. In the trailer park. I don't know what that was could about. Could have been another screen memory. Could be. Could be. Yeah. Yeah, see, that's, that's something. I've been wondering whether whether that's something that my older son experienced, too. Because mm-hmm. he was with a, a girl and he was driving in his Jeep, coming back from a... a a place where he had, they were out somewhere. On the way back, they come up to a roadblock, a police roadblock, a state police roadblock. And he noticed that the cars were like old cars with the gumball on top instead of the light bar.
7: But were there a lot of lights going on at the same yeah, time? Yeah, a lot of red and blue lights. And yeah. he said
5: there were fire trucks coming. He okay. counted four trucks with a fifth one coming. And they had these big lights and in looking into the woods, and he thinking it was a plane crash or something. But the trucks looked like they were old.
7: Mm-hmm. Like they
5: should be in a parade.
7: Kind of like a Men in Black, how they just don't really realize, kind of dated. Yeah, that's true, sure, exactly. Like, maybe people, this is a fire truck, but they don't really yeah. know what
5: age it is. So the state trooper tells them to go down this side street, okay, to avoid what, whatever it was they wanted to avoid. So they do, and the road's dirt, and he's like, geez, that's a dirt road, and he's driving down this dirt road, okay. He gets to the end, he turns left. Then he takes his next left, and then another left, back onto the same road they were on originally. And they're like, oh, no, we're going to go by this roadblock again. Well, they get to exactly that street where the roadblock was, and there's nothing there. Yeah. Nothing there. The girl who was with them started to cry because she was now really freaked out. And my son calls me and says, Dad, I don't know what's going on. There's something weird that's happened. He takes her to, to her house. The father sits down with him and goes into Google Earth. Show me where you were, what happened, blah, blah, blah. And they go through the whole thing. They recount it. And... uh. They go back in the history of google earth and that road that they turned down that he said was dirt as far as google earth is concerned was always paved it was never dirt road not at least in the time through which that was so it's amazing that it's almost like there was some kind of time shift
2: they slipped into another dimension
5: or it was yeah. a screen memory
2: i
7: think it
5: was usually Something when
7: craft is involved.
5: Yeah, something more malevolent and or, I mean, look, hey, what do we do when we go to study elk in the Yukon? We hide behind a blind. We photograph with cameras. We shoot them with darts, right? Now, from the elk's point of view, <laughs> what are they going to say? Holy crap, maple like us! Got... Oh, and he falls down on the ground. Well, Next, he wakes up with this big thing around his neck. Has no idea where it came from, you know. So, and like the radio collar, So, who's to say that we tagging elk in the same way isn't right. what, what they're doing it's to us, galactic, but more advanced. It's
2: the galactic fishing game. Yeah.
5: Right? Right? Well, they
2: catch yeah. us, tag us, and monitor okay. us. They That's right. Later, catch we, us, tag us, and monitor us. We're a giant. Samples. F-
5: well, we're a giant. Well, I guess a fishery would be a humanry.
0: We're a giant humanry. <laughs> you you know? know. Oh, we lost our camera again. And you know what? Um, I'm not going to panic over that right now. I'm just going to keep going. And... Uh, You know we're all here, so I opened up the line. If anyone would like to call in, that number's 855-472-5483. And uh, let's see. I'm going to just continue. The only thing I can really do here is uh, open up my laptop camera, uh, which I suppose I could do. And uh, it's going to be a little bit tricky. Well, yeah, why don't you try that that camera and see what happens. Go ahead and plug that one in. Or go right up tight, um, if you would. Uh, remove that extension, because I've never had any trouble before. Remove the extension, just come forward much more and plug directly into this USB right here. All right, so um, while we're doing this and trying to get the camera up, um, does anyone else want to talk about any type of experience? Anyone here? All right. Here's the next question. I was waiting for that to happen. Um, the next question is, is uh, does anyone want to talk about how they had gotten an interest in this topic, in this UFO topic? What, oh, what caused I, them?
4: <clears throat> I would love to. All right. <laughs> um, back in 2014, my late husband went to his first ever international UFO Congress. That was held in Scottsdale at the Weekly Pop. <clears throat> and he called me. I was on duty. And he called me and said, uh, can I go to this? I says, hey, knock yourself out. Have a great time. I was never someone that wanted to. I've never watched UFO movies. Yes, I've never seen Star Wars or, you know, Star Trek movies. Oh. I'm sorry, folks. I apologize. Don't yell at me. <clears throat> but I told my husband, go, have a great time. Yes, do I believe that there are other universes, there's other people out there, there's other civilizations. Yes, you have to be pretty darn, with all due respect, stupid, not to think that there's other worlds out there. We're not the only ones. So, um, fast forward a few months later, um, my husband uh, found MUFON and spoke to Stacy Wright and for Phoenix MUFON, and he started going to meetings he invited me to go to one of the meetings with him. He says, please just come, just see what I am part of. I said, okay, fine, whatever. All right, I'll be honest. I was expecting tinfoil hats. I was expecting some weird people. I'm a cop. I'm used to, you know, when it comes to UFOs, it's kind of a a weird thing. You know, you don't expect wonderful people. So I went to the meeting, met uh, Stacy. Uh, met a bunch of people from Phoenix, move on. And our speaker that day was Kathleen Martin. Mm. And I'm like, holy cow, what a perfect speaker. She is just the neatest lady. But again, as a cop, what am I doing? I'm looking for deception. I'm thinking she's just going to tell some outlandish story. And it's just going to be, <clears throat> you know, a myth or or just a story. And she told us about Betty and Barney Hill, her aunt and uncle. And I never saw one ounce of deception. She was an amazing woman. Um, fast forward uh, 2000, well, the end of 2014, November, we were having Travis Walton's Skyfire Summit up in Heber Overgard. Oh, okay. And Stacy asked, um, Hey, uh, we've got a few people, speakers coming in. They're going to stay in Phoenix for a couple of days. Then we're going to go back up to Heber. And she goes, would you be able to house these folks? And, um, and until the next day, I said, sure. Who were who we going to house? Well, Peter Robbins, Richard Dolan, Stan Friedman. Hmm. And I'm like, first of all, I did say, who were they? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, sure. oh, boy. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I got a huge lecture from Stacy, And she also says, don't ever ask that question again.
0: <laughs>
4: that, that day uh, in November of 2014 totally changed my life um i've never experienced such wonderful people um i've learned a lot uh met karen and alejandro and um just it was it was so wonderful so i went from not knowing anything the beginning of 2014 to basically just walking into the middle of it by the beginning of 2015 and now Field investigator Mufon, being part of the UFO Congress, and just knowing so many awesome, wonderful people. So great story. Yeah,
0: that's Thank how you. I got into it. Awesome. Anyone else want to talk about how they got interested in the topic?
7: X Files. What's that? X Files.
0: Yeah. 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 <clears throat> What's that? You can, you can speak. You can speak. Put blurred. Yeah. Yeah. It's a self adjusting. So uh, the number, the line is open. That's eight, five, five, four, seven, two, five, four, eight,
3: three. I guess I could tell you about how I got into it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've always been interested. Why don't you turn it around back around? Just keep panning around. See if it'll address. Go ahead.
3: Yeah. um, I've always, since I was a kid, been interested in the subject and I would get books when I could, there wasn't a ton of books back then, especially for kids. Um, but I actually saw Stanton Friedman when I was in San Diego. I was married, with kids, but saw somehow happened to see this in the newspaper, and I got in the car and drove to uh, San Diego State University and heard him do a lecture there. Um, and I didn't realize it until later that who he like I when I saw him, I thought, oh, that was the guy that I saw in San Diego. I didn't know he was a big deal or anything. You know, I just thought he was some guy that talked about UFOs and very interesting. But um, for some reason, this. Event that I'm about to tell you, it was what triggered me to get really, really super obsessed with UFOs, and it was the Dome of the Rock UFO because oh, it was yeah. on the news and stuff. And I spent like 24 hours on the internet, just like scouring everything I could find. And then, you know, for a week afterward, there was more things coming, you know, being released. There were several videos, and I was like. Analyzing it was like second by second because there was one where there was a flash and you could see, like, I was trying to see how much of the city that it would lit up. If you've never seen it, I don't even know if it's on the internet anymore, but it turns out, like, I'll, I'll understand that it's mm-hmm. definitely a hoax by some guys in Israel that, you know, did it was film a college, or something,
0: uh, college thing or something.
3: But it was just something about it just triggered this entrance like crazy. And I saw that there was going to be this conference in Phoenix. The International UFO Congress, and I was like, "Wow, I didn't even know UFO conferences existed." You know, and by the time I was in my forties, yeah. And then <laughs> and what? That. Not even ten years later, I'm running the dang thing. But, but see, Karen, that makes sense to me yeah.
5: because you had a predilection for it. Otherwise, you just would sort have of dismissed it, okay? But you were interested in it. Yeah. The reason you were interested in it is because something has probably happened in your past that you still probably don't know or still haven't recalled. Yeah, I
3: mean, that is kind of a weird thing huh. too, because I've never gotten regressed to this day, even though it's me something either. that I think about.
5: Neither. Like, either, I don't know if I to. I think you should it. do
3: that, or I should do that sometime, but I've never had. Like, what is it about me that I'm avoiding it? Or what, I don't know. But,
5: uh, yeah. Maybe we're happy not knowing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but
3: I mean, it was kind of cool, because I read all these books in that two-month period between January, or that's really going a month, until the conference. and all the people that I was reading their books were there. Like, and that was just a coincidence. I had read John Alexander's book. He was there. I read Dolan's book. He was there. Um, Leslie Kane's book, and she was there. It was just like, well,
0: let me, you know? uh, This is a, I'm glad you brought this whole story up because I want to ask you this. Um, because a lot of times I, I get really angry at hoaxes because I feel as though they turn a lot of people away from looking into this topic. But in this particular case, that could you. That still makes yeah, it I'm just, i
3: just—I don't know. There's something weird about that thing because I even found a security, well, a security—the the footage from a completely different angle that showed the light, the, the bright when it like flashed and shot up, and it lit up the surrounding area. So I don't know how they do, how they did this. Like, how did the, I mean? I guess just very good hoaxers, no, but, but it really did take a, occupy a lot of my time for that. I mean, Wait,
5: Being, I did a lot of CG work, too, just yeah. computer-generated graphics, and um, the way you make something light up like that is actually very straightforward. You don't light up the actual buildings. You light up what's called a stand-in object, something that's shaped like them that's actually something you built. So if someone's doing that, okay, I feel that that was a hoax, and, and I know I saw three different angles, and what I discovered in that was that all three showed a different craft, yet it was supposed to be the same craft, And that that bothered me from the very beginning, so I started to analyze it and figured out that the light that was striking the buildings uh, in a city that never sleeps uh, should have had many more reports than there were. Why would you only get three people reporting this supposedly from different vantage points in the course of an evening when the city is lit up already because there's so many people out? There would have been hundreds and hundreds of reports that night, especially in the Tome of the Rock,
7: the was most a religious
5: was symbol in the whole right. Yeah. I mean, if that was real, I was just like, "This is the most
3: incredible thing that ever happened to know." And why did anyone? you know, I was
5: just like, Whoo. So But sad. I believe that you were you were intrigued by it, probably because mm-hmm. you've been intrigued by uh, something that maybe happened to you some point in the past, and so you were already leaning toward that to begin with. So that might've been a hoax, but something else that's buried inside your head wasn't. Yeah. And that's what drew you (laughs) to this. And And that's That's my feeling.
3: Other weird thing that it's it's kind of hard to explain, but I remember, not like looking back, I remember from this time on, no, I remember from this point in my life, I moved around a lot, my dad was in the Air Force, but I remember almost coming alive (laughs) in a sense, when we pulled into the driveway of my new home and I guess I was sleeping, I don't know, and I woke up and I remember thinking, where the heck am I? And I don't remember anything before this day. Like then, not now, then mm-hmm. when I was five or nine in five, four thinking, I don't know where I am. I don't know who I am. I don't know. I don't know anything before this day mm-hmm. and then I, and then that was it. And then like I went on with my life and everything, but.
5: That is about the That's age. That's really weird. That is about the age, though. Like maybe had, I don't know if was trauma
3: or what. Like when I got to this new home, like I became aware or something.
0: Yeah, I think she might be a hybrid.
2: It's <laughs> 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 <Yeah. laughs> your dad being in the Air Force, yeah, I don't know. They're yeah. doing experiments. Hey, Matthew, I'd like to hear some more about your stories. What was your duty in the Navy? What were you doing?
8: Um, what was your job? So I, I was a cryptologist, and um, that. that uh, that's basically just. Uh, so I worked in Comet, which is communications intelligence, and that's about.
3: So like you try and interpret if there's any secret messages happening in
8: communications from others or or how does well, that work? Well, I mean, like that? it's that's that's about all I can say about wow. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're ready right You can't tell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, that that's what I did, and. Um, I, of course, I, it, you know, I talk about in the book how I ended my career at the Office of in Naval Intelligence in 2020. Um, so you were one of the very first people to see the
2: gimbal. You saw footage of this from just the previous day?
8: Yeah, I think it was right. the previous day or day or two, maybe. Yeah.
2: And the person that showed it to you was a person who saw it before you maybe he yeah. was not supposed to show it to you or
8: um i don't know that he wasn't supposed was it to all part show of it the job? to me but
2: it yeah. was it was um because maybe by that time you hadn't even been
3: briefed no one told them not to say anything by then, right so yeah I mean, and, and i
8: don't i don't think anybody was ever told don't say anything
2: i mean
8: but i think i, I think it was just clear that you know you have a clearance so it's not something you're going to talk about. So it was not something that I spoke of at all. Um,
0: and what, what kind of impression did that make on you when you saw
8: that? Uh When I saw it, I mean, it was just, it was kind of like a gut punch really because, you know, you, 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 you have this idea of what uh ufology is and what, what those people are like. And, um, I didn't know anyone who was in that field or anything like that so I I kind of imagined it as this like circus of tinfoil hats you know of course Uh, it's not like that but um, you know so I I, it was like you know here it is I'm I'm watching this footage now in inside a skiff um this is government footage so I know it's real I know this isn't faked you know And so uh, I had a very kind of emotional reaction to it. I was unable to eat for a few days um, because it was just like, oh, you know, this, all this is real, you know, and I didn't know that.
2: So is everyone on board talking about this or was it no No. hush hush?
8: No, I mean, I think, I think most people on the ship didn't know anything was happening. Uh, Unless you worked for the air wing or you worked in Intel, uh, you just, this wasn't something you knew about.
2: And did you ask to go back and see that footage again? And uh, again? And yeah, again? it
8: was it was on our secure network. So I, you know, I pulled it up. Well, we deployed after this because we were on our workup cycle, which is to get us ready for deployment. And so I would pull that footage up every once in a while and just watch it. And I'm like, how is this thing in the air? You know, what yeah. is that? How is it doing that, you know? So prior so, to that you didn't consider the possibility of UFOs. Kind of you know the it, line? it really wasn't something that I thought about. It's not that you didn't believe you just it was <laughs> yeah, I mean it was it was it just wasn't just,
7: there in your consciousness.
8: Yeah, I mean I and, and if I saw a show on TV like ancient aliens come on, I would kind of roll my eyes mm-hmm. and change the channel, you know, but um you know, now that I knew it was real, you know, cuz I've seen it, uh, that was it was quite profound gut punch for me. Can imagine. Yeah, it's happened to me before. <laughs> well, totally We happened.
0: do have a caller. Um, thank you for that, Matthew.
8: Yeah, no
0: and uh, uh, I, I will have you back on the show again someday so we can talk more about that. But we do have a caller. Uh, we have Jeannie on. Oh, Joni, I'm sorry, on from Pennsylvania. Joni, you're live on the air.
1: Um, I want to I don't know if you already this. Does anybody, does anybody have on, the
2: Phoenix,
0: on the Yeah, we already talked about the Phoenix Lights in the very beginning of the show.
1: Okay, I'm sorry, I didn't know.
0: Yeah, okay. All right, thank you. I'll have to give Bill grief about that. Hey, tough host.
5: Anyway, huh? tough host. Yeah, I know. <laughs> All right,
0: well. Uh, we have we have just four minutes left. Is there anything else you wanted to add to that? I mean, I, I kind of cut your story short just uh, just because we have now we have four minutes left. I don't know if anyone else wants to ask Matthew a question. I mean, it's, he's he's uh, you were doing really good, job. <laughs> yeah.
4: Matthew, can you ever talk about? You say you can't talk about your what you did mm-hmm. in uh, the Navy or. And maybe you have experiences you can't talk about. Will there'll be ever a time, maybe when you're in your 60s, 70s, whatever, that you can. 75 years,
8: right? <laughs> talk about <laughs>
4: it. I mean, is there any time? Three minutes. Hour, um, so?
8: You know, I, 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 I don't, I don't think so. Um, I, you know, I certainly am not going to take anything to my grave. I'll tell you that right now.
5: Mm-hmm. So we'll see. So follow him around. So
4: you <laughs> uh, that. I'm gonna have that tape recorder ready. Okay. Well, well, the
8: date? I, I'll, oh, say, this, oh, I'll say this. So I, I think I think all of this is gonna come out. I mean, I don't I don't think I'm gonna have to say anything. Um, I think it's all already coming out. We talked about how this follows bloodlines, right? There's this new book. Um, uh, skinwalkers Pen-walkers at the, the Pentagon. Pentagon. Yeah, right. oh. that's oh. a huge oh, deal. deal. So well, a big. big deal. And, deal. and there was
3: some bill or something that was just drafted in the <laughs> last day or two, and it's pretty clear that the intelligence committees have seen some pretty bizarre things because they're talking about um, something like to study, you know, above and underwater, like all mediums, kind of thing. So it's like I think. That they do have some information that has been turned over, maybe by Lou or some of these these things that um, we might not ever get to. But I think they're convinced now. So I think that's
5: I think that's true. I mean, you know, I know that uh, we are all familiar with UFOs, and some of us are familiar with the unknown submerged objects, the very fast movers, as we've called them, right in the past. That's what they were called on the boat I was on. I was a visitor, not a sailor. Yeah. And so it it turns out that those unknown submerged objects are very real and decades ago is when this happened that i had that experience where i saw this several hundred knots this object moving through sonar very very quickly and uh they were called fast movers on that boat and i did a job for the joint chiefs a couple years later and the chief said he couldn't tell me about the program when i asked him about it specifically he could have said what's that program i never heard of it but he didn't so clearly above the water below the water stuff's happening And I know that they're here. I know, I sense strongly that they're here. Yes.
0: Thank you, everyone. This has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate all the time and your hospitality out here. Next week, we have our 10th anniversary show. And you think there's a lot of people here now. uh, You'll see how many people will be involved in that. So 10 years coming up next week. And you're going to do some math. And you're going to say, yeah. Thank you. Gonna do some math and say, okay, only four hundred and seventy-eight shows. How that should be five hundred and twenty shows. And I used to do the show every once every two weeks. That's why that um, someone was asked me about that. But thank you so much, everyone. And remember to keep your eyes to the sky. Bye, everyone.
1: Bye. Thank you.